You are listening to the In Perspective Weekly Podcast with Bob Branco and Peter Outchul. Hi, everybody. Welcome once again to In Perspective. My name is Bob Branco. This is episode 309, dated Friday, May 19th, 2023. Before we go any further, let me proudly introduce Peter Alchul, my guest, my colleague, friend, co-host, whatever you want to call him. Hi, Peter. Hey, Bob. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's a typical spring day in Missouri, humid. And it's going to get cold and warm again uh, the next day. So, you know, it's Missouri weather. What, what do you expect? I know. I want to thank everybody for making it possible for In Perspective to be aired. That includes Raymond Gay, our producer. Jacqueline Sylvia, our website designer who archives our shows on FrancoEvents.com. Hey, Jackie. Ah, yes. I'm sorry about that, Peter. I wanted you to say that. Okay, Tom and Lynn from Rosie's Place chat line. Thank you very much for posting our shows on Reading Door number 15. And, of course, the media sources. Thank you for airing us when you do. And, of course, we always like to say hi to listeners who reach out to us. So today's listener that we want to say hi to is Amy M.S. Wilson from the Facebook group Opportunities for the Blind. Thank you very much for listening to us. Today we're going to be hearing from another author, and her name is Joe Elizabeth Pinto. She wrote a book called Dancing with the Seasons, A Year in Simple Verse, and she's here to talk about that along with some other things going on. Before we continue, let me welcome Joe to the program. Welcome to In Perspective. How have you been? Thank you. It's nice to be here. Um, we're having wet and humid weather in Colorado, too, which is not really typical well, sometimes for the spring, but it, we've gotten probably a third of our year's total of rain in the last week and a half. Okay. Well, you know, thank you for coming on the show, Joe. So tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I was among the generation of blind students that integrated the schools in the 1970s. Um, we integrated the public schools. And while that was um, quieter and less violent than Little Rock or anything like that, I think it was just as momentous. And I think it shaped the blind people of that generation. Um, and I wanted to be a writer ever since I realized that words could be written down in books. And so um, I was writing all through my childhood. I had my first poem published when I was about 12 in Jack and Jill magazine. And that was a big event for me. So I've been writing poetry ever since I can remember. Um, I've written this Dancing with the Seasons is my fourth book. And um, I had kind of given up on poetry because I took a bad critique from a, a university professor. And 
I was young and impressionable, and so I took her words to heart and stopped writing poetry for about 25 years. And then the people in my writer's group in Brighton here in Colorado convinced me that hers was only one opinion and that I needed to explore my poetry again. And so that's one of the things I want people to realize from this show is that if you get a critique that doesn't inspire you, take it for what it's worth and let it go. I couldn't agree with you more. Joe, your your comment reminds me of something. Uh when uh when, when I was in middle school, we all we always had to write poetry of some description as, as part of our English assignments. And invariably uh I I did remarkably poorly as uh, on these on these things, you know, C, C minus, D plus. You know, and, and, um, I, you know, I, and part of the result of that was, uh, I didn't want to write poetry. And, um, that's, that's sort of stuck with me for most of my life ever since until I joined the writers group, uh, behind our eyes and people oh, mm-hmm. encouraging me to, to start writing poetry. Anyway, I, it really is amazing how, uh, you know, prior experiences impact the way, way you think of yourself right, as a writer right. in other ways. Yeah, it is, it is sad. So, um, before we talk about, um, your poetry more, uh, can you say a few words about what you did b- besides writing? You've done a lot of uh, other, other interesting things in your life. Uh, talk, talk about some of that. Well, I, um, went to college out of high school to be a social worker and that was just when the ADA was getting it, uh, it's, sea legs and so that didn't work out i was blatantly told we hire we serve people with disabilities we don't hire them so at that time my first husband was falling ill with what turned out to be lou gehrig's disease and so i ended up taking care of him for 10 years and i was pretty much a social worker without getting paid um and then when he didn't need me to directly take care of him anymore. I went to college again to be a nonprofit in the nonprofit field, a grant writer and that type of thing. But then when I got out of college that time, I decided to start my freelance business as a Braille proofreader. Um, and I do mostly textbooks, a few novels here and there, um, I've started editing other people's books as well as proofreading um, manuscripts that are ready to get published and that kind of thing. So I've been doing that since full-time since 2005 from home, and that allowed me to raise my daughter without having to find daycare for her, and I appreciated that. And then during that time, I also started publishing my own books in 2015. You so, have a lot of resilience, Joe. You bounced back from that statement that was made at the beginning of the ADA when they told you that they don't hire persons with disabilities. In fact, that's a rather unfair statement to make, you know, <laughs> that, that somebody should make to you. But you had the resilience and the know-it-all to uh, be able to 
bounce back and figure out an, another path for yourself, and that's a positive. My dad um, was Spanish in Colorado, where there was a lot of discrimination in his life. And so I think I learned a lot from him, having gone through what he did. So uh, bouncing back from discrimination was not new to me. His, My dad and his parents and his siblings had gone through it before me. And so I think the the will was in me from my family background, and I think that was an advantage for me. Joe, can you talk about how your experience in the social work field and your experience with discrimination has influenced your writing? Well, I my when I wrote my first book, I wanted to speak for people who um, didn't have voices. And I had mentored a lot of my husband and I had mentored a lot of kids who didn't get hurt and who were the underdogs who had been discriminated against. And then also in my second book, it's about um, blind parents who are another group who have been discriminated against incredibly. And then my third book is all about gratitude. And I really have come to the point in my life where I believe that gratitude is a choice as much as eating right or exercising or getting enough sleep. And it's not about pretending that problems aren't there because that's ridiculous, but it's about how you look at your situation and about finding what to be grateful for in your situation while you work on fixing it. So that's what my third book turned out to be about. And it, that's makes all the difference sometimes in whether you can go on or not is how you look at what the situation you're in. That makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and good for you for focusing on gratitude. That's such an important topic to, to focus on. Um, before we get into your poetry, I want to, um, for you to talk a little, a little about your, your novels. Uh, talk about, uh, your first, your first two novels, especially, uh, you know, what they're about and, uh, uh, how they're doing in the way of, of, um, sales and all that. Well, the bright side of darkness is about a group of kids who navigate their lives in the projects and move towards stability. And it has to do with mentoring and second chances. And it's a steady seller. It's not, um, it's not Stephen King or anything, but it's, it plugs along. It's on Kindle and Audible and it's on Bard. So there's a lot of way to access that book. And then my second one is actually a memoir and it's called Daddy Won't Let Mom Drive the Car. True Tales of Parenting in the Dark. And it's about different things that have happened in the course of raising my daughter, mostly in her, um, from preschool to elementary years. Um, she says I should write a sequel about her teen years, but I'm not sure I'm ready to do that yet. Um, so that one is more of a, 
an educational book, but a fun read at the same time, because I really think that if you can get people laughing, they're learning without knowing they're learning and you drop their defenses and it's easy to, to show them things without having to get, convince them of anything. So, um, that one is out there and it's doing good, but I really would like to get that book more into the hands of professionals than, than I've managed to achieve. Um, I'd like to get that book into the hands of lawyers and doctors and nurses and those kind of people who can, um, make a difference in having blind parents not have their babies taken away at hospitals and in custody disputes and that kind of thing. So I have dreams that, for that happens book. more often than it should. Yes. I have dreams for that book that have not yet been achieved. So, uh, uh, I uh, read The Bright Side of Darkness and was really taken in by the book. It is a it is a book about as you said redemption and mentoring and uh moving people from chaos to more order as it were. Uh and uh for those who are interested in sort of young people's development, it, this is a book well worth reading. Um and if we had more time, we would talk more about that book. Uh, I'd like to see that book in schools and school libraries and and that kind of thing. I I tend to to urge teachers and school counselors and those type of people toward that book. And, and it's 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 compelling reading. Uh, uh, it really is compelling, and I think uh, not just for for younger people, but for for adults as well. I was really taken in by that book, so. I hope it continues to to do well uh at all your books of course but that one really did did strike me as a, as a really good book. So I've had teenagers read that book who have never voluntarily read anything in their lives. It's it's kind of inspirational when that happens. And and how how do they react to it? When, when they've they, loved it. They've yeah. um they've really gotten taken in by it because I I think they know the characters. They can relate to them. Yeah, I, and uh, and I, I, who was in the process of raising uh, three kids that when I was reading the book, could relate as well. Uh, it, it, it really is a, a book worth, worth, well worth reading. So, but I do want to focus a little bit on uh, the, the book you're here to talk more about, which is Dancing with the Seasons. Talk about um, what prompted you to write that book. I wanted poetry to be accessible to everyday people. Outside of greeting cards and um, that kind of thing. So I wanted to write a book that was about something people like, which is nature, and make it poetry not intimidating to people. You know, you think of poetry, think of Shakespeare or something like that, and people kind of shy away from it. So I wanted poetry to be something that could be a pleasure thing for people who don't usually read poetry. And so how did you um, go about choosing the poems to be included in the book? Um, I have written hundreds of poems, so I screened out the ones that were nature-oriented, and then I chose 52, one for each week of the year if somebody wanted to read it that way that were kind of mostly about the seasons or about something in nature 
to put between the seasons ones and then um just kind of chose ones that would flow together in my mind anyway that you could read one to the next to the next and sort of get a tour of the year if you were so it's sort of a stranger i kind of pictured myself as someone who was new to the planet maybe or it hadn't been here and you know if you were touring the year what would it be like so uh so so you 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 envision yourself being sort of a coming for a, uh, to be sort of playful about it coming for a different from a different planet right right and so, and, and, and saying oh and, and and so it's sort of being an observation of how the seasons mm-hmm. worked in your part of the world right right in Colorado as compared to, I don't know, Florida, which is a whole another world. Right, right. Maybe I was a tour from somewhere that didn't have seasons. There you go. <laughs> you know, like the equator or somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, you, you sort of chose to go through the, through the year, right? Autumn and then winter. Is that sort of the same? Right. Kind of from early spring to spring. Early spring again. Right. right. So how would you, how would you characterize, characterize the form of these poems? Many of them rhyme, not all of them. Um, but they're, they're all easy to read. They're not too deep to understand, but they're not children's nursery rhymes either. There's some imagery to them. There's, Something that you can take away that's more than the words on the page. I know I didn't ask you to prepare for this, and if you're if you're not, that's fine. But are there any poems you'd like to read for us? Um, if not, I I have some that I'm happy to. I rather I I I didn't think that way, so I don't have that's, anything brought that, up. That's okay. It's not your fault. Uh, I didn't ask. You <laughs> it's perfectly fine. So um, I I selected a couple of poems. Um, that sort of s- spoke to me, but before I read a couple of them, um, I want to, uh, how do you react to what I'm about to say to you? When I, when I read these, these poems, it's, they sort of were a sort of a throwback to simpler times. That's sort of the way I read them. You know, the kinds of poems you might, that were written, um, I don't know, in the uh, sort of 18th century, 19th century, um, you know, without the doth and maketh and all that, but sort of simple, uh, Scanning wise and rhyming wise. Right. Without uh, the angst that the angst, always right. seems to be in poems now, you always have to have a, an issue you're trying to figure out, it seems now. And, and, uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to read the first poem that, that sort of caught my attention. Um, because there are, because a lot of these, a lot of these poems are really wonderful because they are, they are sweet. They describe things really vividly. Um, and then you run into a couple which are really jarring because they are not uh, <laughs> to, to, to my weird ears. So I'm going to read, um, the first poem that came to mind, which is called A Delicate Butterfly. I saw a delicate butterfly when glistened an afternoon shower and she looked as if she had just flown into the freshly painted rainbow for its colors shone soft on her wings. You know, uh, I, 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 I found that vivid. I found, um, it read well, um, uh, very descriptive, it, it, very descriptive. Uh, and you know, it, it scanned well, right? All the, all the lines had sort of similar lengths. 
right? Mm-hmm. Sim- symbol, uh, uh, syllable lengths. Um, do you remember anything about that poem, what, about you writing that? I remember thinking, I remember actually having painted, well, I scraped all the paint and then my dad painted the, uh, the garage one summer and insects actually did fly onto it. And I, I remember he was irritated by that. And then I remember it rained and I, I remember writing that poem and having a gentler experience than insects flying onto the garage. And so it was kind of a juxtaposition of two different experiences where insects had flown into his paint and he had to paint over again. And then the smell of the rain and a, and a butterfly. And so it was a poem that came out of all of that and, reality just sort of smashed together. And it's so, it's so compact. Mm-hmm. You know, well, poems um, are economical. You know, you can put a lot into a little bit. That's called a lot of quality. It, it's co- 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 condensed beauty or something. It, it really, I, 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 it's, it struck me. And that reminds me, um, don't you do some painting as well, Joe? Oh Sorry. no, I don't have any vision at all. Uh, okay, I still, okay, I'm thinking of somebody else. Okay, so I, I, the next, the next poem that caught my attention, it, it caught it for a very different reason, uh, because uh, I mentioned that um, there are most of the poems are kind of like a, a delicate butterfly, mm-hmm. you know, very sweet, uh, very um, moving, uh, very descriptive, uh, very even uh, meter wise. Um, and then you run into a poem called Summer Storm, which I found fascinating because, because th- this is anything but those things. So it goes something <laughs> like this. In heaven, sweetest spirits flow and splash upon the earth below. The merry angels gather round to send the gallons pouring down, then roll the cask across the floor, pause them empty at cellar door, and Hurl them crashing down the stairs, rumbling, booming amid their cheers. Then God lights up the echoing dome to guide his little revelers home. As restful quiet fills the sky, the night wind sings her lullaby. What do you make of that one, Joe? What do you remember? Well, I just, one? I just love those quick, fierce, noisy storms in the, especially in the late summer. And it's all noise and sound and that and fury that comes all at once, and then it's gone as quickly as it comes. And at least in Colorado, I don't know, maybe it's not like that in Missouri, but in Colorado you get this burst out of nowhere, and it might be five minutes or thirty minutes or whatever, and then you're done. And, and it is it is that way in Missouri often. Although I've I've been to Colorado in the mountains, and it it really is that way in the mountains. It it comes very quickly, and it's gone very quickly. Um, and I just thought you you the the way you put line breaks in that poem really made that work. Um, and contrasted so differently from you know uh, your other poems in the in in the series. Um, and the funny thing is, I wrote that poem way back in. Probably early high school or junior high or something like that a long time ago. Well, uh, 
I, 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 you know, I, I'm not much of a poet, but I happen to like those kinds of poems with, with sort of varying line lengths and unpredictable, uh, uh, meters and rhythms. Uh, that's the poem that usually speaks to me. But of course, your poetry does too in a very different way. It just came to me as sort of a surprise because it's so different from what you read these days when it comes to poetry. Right, right. And I, I like to put a surprise in the middle of something that's, I like to break up the the usual flow of things. Yeah, yeah. So um, the next one that sort of came to mind, and I like this because this is one of those things where the sameness sort of really emphasizes the po- the point the point, in my opinion, of the poem. And the the poem in question is the merciless heat of July, and I don't know how it is in Colorado. But the merciless heat in July in Missouri is miserable. Uh, it Columbia is absolutely awful. It's just absolutely awful. And so this poem goes something like this. The merciless heat of July assaulted the cowering world with the heaviness of its breath and its unending tyranny. And our wiry little dreams stood covered with dust like the weeds with their leaves curled at the edges and the life yet safe in their roots. We waited in silent fatigue for the welcoming fall of darkness and news of a summer shower to reprove the merciless heat. You know, again, all these lines are pretty much the same length, and it sort of it sort of talks about sort of the tyrannical heat, and it really sort of reinforces it in a, in a really nice way, I thought. Very explicit. The, the summer... Is just that oh, I don't. <laughs> Depends on our point of view, I guess. Well, um, I, 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 yes, it does depend on your point of view. I guess my reaction is having having lived in uh, uh, in places where summers are miserable. Uh, I, I, it really is for me a, a really good descriptive of how the summers work in July, anyway. Well, Colorado is not as bad as some places I'm told. Um, but it depends on what's happened. I remember when I wrote that my husband was very ill. And so it just seemed like everything was worse than it could have been. I mean, maybe it was some emotional, merciless emotional things that were adding to it, but. It's still that way anyway, even without all that. Well, all I can say is uh, the summer is my least favorite time of year. (laughs) This is why. Uh, You know, that that poem really, really spoke to me because I sort of uh, uh, resound with that concept of of summer. Uh, So I'm going to read another poem, um, and then I'm going to um, uh, do something else. So this is is one... um, that I'd sort of love because it's, it, it, um, talks about bird song, bird sounds. Um, and, and the poem is called secret conversation. I listened to the birds as summer dusk was falling and wondered at their words and marveled at their calling. What tales the bird must spin such fascinating stories in travels. They have seen the world and all its glories. What laughter there must be in lightest songs and speeches when all can live for free where status never reaches. 
I wish the birds could share their language and its lessons. The simple wisdom there could offer timeless blessings. But birds are truly wise and offer no translation. They know that wonder lies in secret conversation. Oh, I love birds. I've always loved birds. Even birds, I'll go for that. Uh, tweet that. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I love birds, especially in the early spring. You know, when, when they're coming out mm-hmm. and it, it, the winter's ended, uh, and the birds make a huge racket. Yes. And, and you, you wonder, you know, uh, you know hi, uh, how was your, uh, migration? <laughs> well, mm-hmm. man, wasn't we that missed close. everybody. Missed everybody. Yeah, you're back. Back. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and, um, you know, that at least here in Missouri, when the, you know, when it gets to like June and July and August, you know, it, it's too hot for the birds to talk. It's yeah, not they nearly, it's, they slow they, down they, they, a lot. Uh, I mean, it's, it's not as, it's not as quiet as the winter, but it's pretty close. Once you get to mid July and mid August in Missouri, it really does sort of quiet down. You don't, you don't get the bird songs anymore. And it, that's part of the dreariness of summer from my, where I am in Missouri. You just don't get the bird songs. It's just, it's too hot. So, um, the next poem I'm going to read was for me the most startling of all of, 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 of the, of your, uh, collection. Um, and it's so different from everything else in the book. You know, you, so for folks who are listening have a general sense of these poems. They're, they're sweet. They're interesting. They're descriptive. They're, they're a throwback. For me, they're a throwback to simpler times. If, if you were, were poems actually rhymed? Uh, you know, often, but not always. Um, and, um, and then we get to a poem called Neighbors. Check this out. We are neighbors with the dolphins as they dance atop the waves and they, and, and then drown among the tangles of the wicked fishing nets. We are neighbors with the eagles as they soar among the clouds and then eat the farmer's poison and drop heavy from the sky. We are neighbors with the elephants as they thunder on the plains and then fall like Maui mountains when the hunters shoot them down. Neighbors with them as they strong an ancient stand and then topple in an instant with the bit, with the biting of the axe. We are neighbors on this planet yet refuse to give a damn and our lives will ring so lonely when our neighbors move away. What prompts you to write that poem? All I can say is look around. The who? Oh, the drought? Look around. Look around. Yeah. You know, it's coming. So this is... It's just a warning. It's coming. You know, monarch butterflies are going extinct for heaven's sake. They're on the endangered list. That's interesting. And uh elephants. Elephants will go extinct before we're in our lifetime. It, you know, really? Yeah. Yeah, there are at least some some species of elephants they're having real trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh and, and uh uh it's kind of sad. Um yeah. I my understanding is they're trying to bring them back. Uh but you know. Why did this happen in the first place, right? Why are we, why are all these? You know, they're having problems with bees. 
Bees yeah. used to be everywhere. And we can't live without bees. No. So, you know, I don't have to say much. No, but it struck me that this is, a, for me, the most unusual poem of the collection because it's jarring compared to right. the other. Uh, how did you figure, how did you decide where to place that poem? I mean, do you have any recollections, you know, because that's such an unusual poem for this collection. Do you, do you have any recollection thinking about where you're going to put it or how, how is it? Well, that? it was kind of one of the last ones that I put in there and I just had to find a place to sandwich it in because it was different than all the rest of them. And I just kind of had to squeeze it in there because it didn't really fit. And, and yet it does fit in the sense that, cause when, when I first read it, I was so jarred with the message compared to what else was in the, in the book that, um, I, um, didn't notice until I reread it that it, it fits rhythmically, right? It, uh, the, the right. lines equal length, mm-hmm. the, you know, it's not like thunderstorm, you know, the, right. you know, but this one really does scan nicely, but the message was so jarring. I didn't catch that until I reread it. Um, and that's to your credit. You know, you, 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 you've made yourself some rules to write poetry and yet you, you use those rules in all kinds of different ways to create all kinds of different images. And I, th- I thought that was really a remarkable accomplishment. Joe, before we invite our participants to take part in today's edition of In Perspective to talk to you, could you tell us how we can obtain copies of your books, including the poetry book that Peter is reading from? Well, they are all on Amazon. Um, Joe Elizabeth Pinto. Um, that the poetry book is on Kindle or in paperback. It is not on Audible yet, but all of the rest of them are available as Audibles or Kindles or paperbacks. I just haven't figured out if there is enough interest in the poetry to make it into an Audible. Um, cause it takes some money to do. Yes. Joe, have you, have, you, have you considered putting these books on Bookshare? You know, I, uh, uh, the bright side of darkness is on Bookshare. Mm-hmm. And somebody submitted Daddy Won't Let Mom Drive the Car to be on Bookshare and it stalled out. I don't know what happened. So I haven't really pursued the other ones because we just got stalled out and I don't know how to get the process moving again. Uh, what does I- it mean when it's stalled out? I don't. It was submitted and it just never went anywhere. Oh, that's really odd because uh, I, I, I'm sorry about that because um, uh, Bookshare is a really good way to get your books, uh, you know, noticed in other, in other, in other right. ways. I would love that to yeah. happen. I just don't know why it didn't go anywhere. Well, I would encourage you to submit this one to Bookshare and see what happens. Okay. Um, uh, because give it a shot. You never know, Joe. Yeah, you, you never know. Yeah, exactly. It might be one of the best, you know. Uh, Promotions. That they yeah, yeah. Anyway, so uh, uh, this is in perspective. I'm Peter. Uh, Bob is my is my person in charge. And uh, Ray, do we have any hands raised? At this current time, we do not. Um, let me Feel free to raise your hand if you want to ask Joe Elizabeth Pinto a question or two. 
This is your okay. opportunity. Yep. So if any, so we will continue. Uh, the interview. Wait, let me scratch ah. that. Uh, we have. Um, yes, you have me. <laughs> Phone number ending in zero uh, five four. You are up first. Yes. Yeah, it's Carol from Maine. Thank you. Hi, yeah. Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi, Carol. Hi there. Yeah, delighted. Um, um, I am so delighted to hear you. I'm so interested in your books, Joe. Um, I, particularly the poetry, I am a poet myself. And I had a, qu- a, couple, a bunch of questions, but major among them, I have written for the last two and a half years, every day have been writing a poem and sending wow. it out to a group of people. And oh yeah, I know. Wow. Yeah. It's been, it's been a challenge, but it's, I'm committed to it. Um, I need the accountability of Carol better get her book. Where's her, where's her, where's today's poem? Um, my question is, what was the process for you or what would you suggest for me? Um, I've got the poems and I've started the revision going through, uh, last year's poems and one month at a time kind of thing and, and revising. What would you suggest for the process of doing that? I'm, I'm a little, uh, overwhelmed might be one word, but a little bit stum, stumbling at it. Are they all on similar topics? Um, there's a whole variety. I write poems. I might write a, um, uh, you know, something that's funny. I write something introspective. They're a whole wide. I've written a number of them on, I'm learning Braille and on re- learning Braille. Um, so they're really all over the map. They're mostly, they're very short normally and a variety of subjects. Pretty light. They're pretty light though. Are you, you know, wanting uh, to make a book? Yeah, I would. I really would. Yep. I would start sorting them into um, similar subject areas. Okay. That's probably where I would start. And, okay. And do you have a readers writers group that that you're belong? Sounds like you do. You have a group that you uh, you're with on a regular basis that you get feedback. I have, I take part in writing work, works wonders on ACB, but I don't have a writing group, um, per se, but I do have a lot of writers uh, or poets, writers as contacts. So, and I, I am aware, of course, um, you know, several that I could, but I haven't done that as yet. You and maybe that's an interesting observation that I'm not some... really. <laughs> Scared of having other people see them. Get some feedback from some people about mm-hmm. your poems and see which ones they like better than others. And, but also start sorting things into subject areas because it sounds like you have a lot of different material on a lot of different yeah. subjects. I do because I've kind of written them, um, through the year and each. So it, it almost is like a diary. Someone could re- read like my it. poems and they see how my, my year is going, how this day, that day was. And so I'm, al- I'm almost tempted to keep it in that. So you don't know what you're going to read the next, in the well, next That could page. be interesting too. Mm. Uh, a, a, a memoir and poetry, right? Right. That's fascinating. <laughs> no, no, seriously. Right. That, that's, that's an interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Cause I know when I wrote my blogs, um, and was putting together as a book, one of the things I, I looked at was those that got the most response. Uh, it didn't mm-hmm. have to be a positive response, but those that, in my mm-hmm. case, I was looking to write stuff that made people think a little differently. And so when people, mm-hmm. uh, get, had strong reactions, th- that got my attention. And, uh, so mm-hmm. I tried to, and that was one of the things that, uh, maybe decide what was going to be in and what was going to be out. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I would like to be in touch with you, um, Joe, if I may. And I know I can't ask for that on the, on the call, but I will no, uh, pursue that. Ways. Yes. Yeah. There are always ways to do everything. <laughs> You're talking so, to the original. If you don't know when now, I'll find out for you. Right. Yeah. Okay. So Bob, this yeah. might be a chance for you to give uh, your email address so people can react. Yes. Uh, my email address here for those people who would like to write to us here on In Perspective about this topic and anything else for that matter is Bob Branco, B-O-B, B-R-A-N-C-O 93 at gmail.com. That's B-O-B, B-R-A-N-C-O 93 and at gmail.com. And Joe, where you are an author and part of your job is to promote your work, uh, there must be a way for you to make uh, other people aware of how they can contact you as an author. Right, right. Um, I have a Facebook page that is author at J.E. Pinto. Do you have a website? Uh, I do, but it's under construction right now, so we're not gonna. <laughs> uh, we're not gonna. We're not gonna deal with that right now. We're okay. Not deal I, with that right I, now. I, I understand. Okay. So, um, anybody who wants to reach out to Joe can write to Bob, and Bob will forward. I, I assume will forward the information. I certainly will. And and we'll 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 go from there. I um, certainly will, Joe. Thank you. Thank you, uh, thank before, you Carol. Before we you, thank you, Carol, and good luck with your writing. Yes, I'm excited to hear from you. So, Mary Jo, before I'm sorry, Joe, Mary Jo, Joe, <laughs> Joe Elizabeth, uh, can you uh, what what sparks your creativity? What what how, how what's your writing process like? You know. I'm not really an idea person, which most writers are. So if I get an idea, I need to grab it. I need to write it down right away because I don't know when I'll have another one, which is odd, but it's true. So if I get an idea for a poem or a story or something, I need to write it down, at least the basics of it, right away. On my phone, at least on the notes of my phone or... If I can, if I'm lucky enough, onto my computer. And so that means I might get up in the middle of the night or I might steal a minute where I can. And the other thing about my writing process is it might be a few minutes in between my daughter coming home from school and me fixing dinner. Or it might be a lot of it's in uh, in the afternoons when... I'll take a little bit off from work and just write. Um, I've I've learned to steal time where I can get it. So uh, you know, it's nice if you can you know block out this or that and and have a schedule every day. But I'm not that lucky. So I'm a lot of times I'll take some time out of the night when the house is quiet and I know I'm not going to get her interrupted because everybody's asleep. 
Um, that's you good me- for me. You mentioned uh, uh, your your kid is a, a daughter. If I heard you correctly, mm-hmm. talk about how that's been uh, raising her uh, and how that's impacted the way you write poetry. You've talked about that a little bit, but talk about how 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 being a parent has been for you. Being a parent has been the best thing that ever happened to me. I waited a long time. I struggled with infertility for years. And then I had gotten to the point where I was okay with the fact that I wasn't going to um, be a biological parent. And I was okay with the fact that I would nurture children in other ways. And along she came. And it's hard sometimes. And just because I waited a long time for it doesn't mean that every minute is angelic and wonderful. But um, it's amazing. And so I can't say that I've written many poems about being a parent. But I've written a lot of essays and different things about it. Because it's just... A different perspective. Your whole world view changes. I don't know how to describe it. It's like you, your whole way of looking at the future changes when you become a parent. Well, uh, for me, uh, when I was raising my stepkids, it became really clear to me that I was shaping the future in a very significant way. You know, I spent a lot of time in, in, in the world of work getting people from different backgrounds to work together to accomplish something productive and that's shaping the future. But somehow raising, helping to raise three stepkids, uh, really, uh, was, was a more nitty gritty way of, of shaping the future. Right. And I had stepkids that I raised and that was, that was cool. That was amazing. It, and I don't know why it's even deeper that way somehow when it's when you have given birth to a child and they're going to go where you can't go. It's like and sending a, a messenger into the future where you can't go. Yeah. What is your daughter doing now? Um, just really quick. We do have five people that have. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, thank you. Oh, she's okay. in high school now and she oh. thinks she knows everything and she's ready to take on the world. And uh, I okay. wish that I could go back knowing everything I know now and have that enthusiasm. That's awesome. All right. All right. Marlene, so let's, go ahead, Marlene. Next. Hi. Um, I love Joe's books. I've got all of her books except this one. And, uh, she hasn't mentioned Apples of Gold, which is beautiful. It's another poetry book, and it is on Audible. And I would love to see her new one on Audible, but I understand the financial end of it because I've got some books there too. But um, I wish you the best, Joe, because I, I really you. like your writing. And she has so much variety. She's got nonfiction, fiction, poetry, you know, everything that um, somebody could could want in, in an author. So thank you. Thank you, Marlene. Thank, Thank you, Marlene. Marlene. Uh, who's Ray? Ray. Uh, Patty, you're up next. Patty, welcome. Hi, Joe. I'll be very brief. Um, first, first of all, Apples of Gold has gotten me through some rough times in the last little while. The essays and poetry in there are wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Peter has stolen most of the questions. I had very nice interview, Peter. Really, really awesome. Yes, thank and, you. And can I please hire you to read poetry? Anyway. I know. Um, <laughs> I was going to mention that. You yeah, have right. a beautiful very, voice. Very nice. But I wanted to um touch on this, and I think maybe maybe we should talk about having a call because it's something that has come up in several conversations for me with other people of late, and that is... um. The subject of, um, right to parent. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know that you, you know, you've talked about, um, how disabled people have had children taken away or been investigated or whatever because of those incidences. And, um, just really quickly, have you ever had an experience of your own where you were visited or had it suggested by a social worker that maybe you didn't need to be a parent. Yes. Um, that came up while I was pregnant. And then that came up a couple times when my daughter was young through different means. And that's partly what steered me to write that book. Um, it's just not okay. There was never any reason for it, and the case is closed as unfounded because there was nothing, there was no reason for them to be there. Um, Right. So, yes, I have been looked into a number Mm -hmm. of times. Mm -hmm. Me too. And it never came to anything. But it shouldn't have happened. No. And I think, uh, I don't know if there's been a study done of, disabled parents and how much more likely they are to be looked into. But I'm sure it would be found to be much higher than the normal um, people, yes. non-disabled right. people. Right. Can, I'll, can, I'll be in can, touch with you about that. Okay. Can you talk a little more about uh, that? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, Ray, go ahead. I just want to get to the people. We have, have three more. Uh, uh, okay. All right, go ahead. So, Musi, you are up next. I apologize if I have Messed up your name. Musi. That's my there name. There you go. There you go, Musi. <laughs> Hi, Musi. Listen, this is wonderful. And um I was really touched by how you do read the poetry. You're very good. And I would like to share that the one the neighbor. I mean, I just thought that was so oh, moving. And thank you. Now Ken, like if you have it on I, like I would just like to share it on my Facebook page and who can read it. Can, can read it and it has great impact. Now, how would I get a copy of that poem? Um, do you have it on your Facebook page I, where I could share it? I could probably make that happen. Okay. Uh, why don't you contact Bob and we'll see what we can do. Okay. Because I just think that's a poem that needs to be shared. Thank you. Write to Bob and we'll figure it out. And Bob, Did you get my email address, Musi? Yes, Bob Barco, 93. Bob, Bob Branco, Branco, 93. Yeah. <laughs> B-R-A-N-C-O. Not okay. Bob Barker. Not Bob Barker. Bob, oh, Bob Barker is a game it's, show host. It's somebody else. Bob Branco, 93 <laughs> at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, Thank I, you. That poem really struck me, too. I've said that already, but I, I really was. You uh, have a beautiful poetry reading voice, though. Maybe we'll work out something for the audible, because I, I, I really was. Yeah, you can do audible, read. Peter. Well, maybe I, I, I don't, I've never done it before, but uh, that's a, maybe I'm my, my next, uh, my next uh, career. 
Uh, yeah, you, you have a wonderful voice. Well, you do have you. a great speaking voice. Th- thank you. Thank you so much for that. I appreciate it. Um, so uh, Ray, who do we have? Last up, we have Alyssa. It's Lisa. Oh, Lisa. Lisa. Hi, yeah. Lisa. Sorry. Hi. Hi. I've enjoyed the talk a lot. And I just have a question about publishing and wanted to know sort of, you know, brief history of how you publish your books. Well, I use Amazon to publish my books and I enjoy going that route because I have control of everything. Um, in the beginning, I tried to use some agents and some publishers but I didn't like the the amount of control they took and the portion of the of the profits they wanted to take versus what I got in return so I use Amazon and really what you have to do is get a manuscript and get it well edited and get it uh as close to perfect as you can get it and then you can publish it on Amazon through um their publishing arm and then you have to do all of the the after marketing stuff yourself because if you just publish it and let it sit there it's going to sit there so that's kind of the process um publishing is only one piece of it is the site um accessible to do that Pretty much. Um, there are a couple places where it's best if you have someone who can, um, be with you and make sure it, the cover and the formatting look as the best they can. I have, I have always done most of it myself and then had a sighted person to just look over the finished product and make sure it fits into their template and everything. But for the most so, part, it's not bad. Did you design your own cover and how did you do that? I have chosen what I wanted my covers to look like. And then, um, like the la- the poetry book, I used a place called Two Pentacles Publishing Services oh, yeah. that yeah. works well with people who have disabilities and they, they're wonderful. They um worked with me every step of the way. I I highly recommend them. Okay, thank you. Ray, Thanks, anybody, Lisa? Ray, anybody else? Thank you, Lisa. We have time for one more, about two minutes. Ray. Uh he's checking. While he's doing that, Joe, tell us again how we can find your books. Um, they're all on Amazon. Joe Elizabeth Pinto. The Bright Side of Darkness is under J.E. Pinto, but you can find it looking up my name. Um, I have a Facebook page, author at J.E. Pinto, and I will soon have my website back, but it's under construction right now. So okay. those are the best ways. Or you can write to... Bob and he will get you hooked up. Bob, so we have Nora. 93. All right, let's do Nora and then that'll be it. Nora, we have about Sorry. one minute tops. Nora, you're not. Okay. okay, thank you. I raised my hand, but I can't know it. But I, anyway, I want to thank you so much, Joe, for reading your wonderful stories and your, and your poems and it's wonderful. Thank you very much. And I enjoyed hearing it. You're yeah. welcome. Bye bye. Well, thank you, Nora. 
Bob, do we, have, do we have, no, I guess we don't. I have, I, I can read one more poem if there's time. If there's not, we will. I don't believe there is, Peter, unfortunately. Okay. That's okay. That's perfectly fine. Uh, let me take this opportunity to thank Joe for taking the time to be here. And like I say to all the other authors, as an author myself, we really work very hard promoting our work. And Joe, I know you do. And I always wish authors the best of luck. And that definitely includes you. Keep up the good work. You're a very creative person. And Keep up with the great poetry. Well, thank Thank, you. Thanks for taking the time. And I also want to thank our participants who participated today, who asked great questions. I also want to thank Raymond Gay and Peter for their help, as always. Next week, we have attorney John McCann coming on the program. He's going to talk about uh, the justice system when it pertains to blind people, the blind and the judicial process. That's next week on In Perspective. In the meantime, this is Bob Branco, and please go safe with God's abundant blessings. Have a great week, everybody. We'll see you next week.